Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. Another. Like, how many anothers have we had? Over 300 anothers? Uh, an- uh, yeah, over 300 anothers. Over 300 another episode of Film Seizure. Uh, today's movie, I'll introduce those two fools here in a second, but today's movie is 1981's Night Riders with a K and not to be confused with Night Rider right. with Michael Knight and Kit, the car. This, also this movie, with a K, but This movie's words. not about cars. This no. movie's about bikes, man. Yep. This movie's about bikes. Uh, George Romero's Night Riders, 1981. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing good. Jeff Arbuckle here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you invited me here, uh, King Jason. <laughs> um, very, very, uh, very excited to be here to joust uh, for the honor of the crown. <laughs> and and also we have Merlin here, Chuck Moore. How you doing, <laughs> there, Chuck? Jason, you forgot your basics. You're supposed to introduce us first. I forgot my basics. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, my basics. <laughs> hello, hello, everyone. Chuck Moore, coming to you from a phone booth today. Yeah. Well, you're you're on you're on <laughs> you're you're on site for what is sure to be. A, a a wonderful clash of knights um in in the jousting tournament for today in what i think they say is bakersfield like as in california but this is totally filmed in pittsburgh oh yeah this this movie's all over pennsylvania i mean yeah. they drive through gettysburg at one point <laughs> but they keep referencing california towns yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's it's, it's hilarious bizarre. like yeah like you realize you're in Pennsylvania and you haven't left, right? <laughs> uh, this is a yeah, George so, Romero movie. <laughs> exactly. It's got to be shot Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh crew. That's just how he rolls. Um, this, all right. All right. All right. All right. So Night Riders. Why Night Riders? Good question. Um, this is only huh. the second. This is only the second time I've seen this movie, which is one more time than than Chuck and Jeff. Yes. Uh, I was during the pandemic. Kind of catching up on some back catalog George Romero stuff. Um, I'd always been intrigued by this movie, mostly because of the um, the poster, which really is about as little to do with the movie as possible. <laughs> I've <laughs> like, got so much to say about a lot of going yeah, into this, so yeah. But it's it's like it like kind of it kind of makes it look like this this post apocalyptic fantasy epic that the. the the poster does but um but yeah i was going through romero's back catalog um checking out stuff i'd never seen before checking out stuff i hadn't seen in a while so watching stuff like um, martin for the first time a season of the witch for the first time and this for the first time it was i mean uh, uh, martin lawrence really was pretty good in martin yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching that a lot. In the <laughs> means 90s. there's a spider on your head. It means there's a vampire <laughs> eating, drinking your blood. <laughs> um, yeah, Martin. Martin is good. That's one we yeah, should do is really, really at some good. point as well. And, and in fact, Romero, I've, I, I was surprised to hear him say in an interview that um, Martin and Knight Riders are his two favorite movies that he's made. Um, and he made well, them. Yeah, back it's kind of like I mean, if you think about it, though, like. You have, um, you have a movie like uh, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You know, up to this point, he was the zombie guy, right? Like, sure, yeah, exactly. You, um, you really don't. I mean, you don't even really think about Creepshow necessarily being his 
either. Like, right, right, right. That's that's like the third or fourth or fifth fact that I remember about that movie. I remember a lot of other things. And oh yeah, by the way, it's also George Romero. And oh yeah, yeah. also by the way, he didn't. You know, uh, Tales from the Dark Side and all of that stuff. And it's like he's the. You know, it's kind of like, you know. We were talking about Smashing Pumpkins before because we were talking about weirdo soundtracks from the 90s. And, uh, you know, for a little while, they were pretty tired of playing today. You know, they're pretty tired of talking <laughs> about that movie or that song. And yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that, that George Romero is like, yeah, you know, Night of the Living Dead made, you know, uh, buttered the bread. But I like to eat other bread now. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 real quick, though, let's do a let's do a quick filmography check so he obviously made night of the living dead and then he made there's always vanilla which i still haven't seen i've not i've not heard good things about it and he is doesn't it, like it, it himself is it it's, even available it's like his romantic comedy i think you could get it through arrow okay. um and then season of the witch is really good i like that movie yeah yeah it's got it's got some good stuff and it's a lot more than than a scary movie it is there's a lot of subtext going on in that movie it's more of a human drama um the crazies of course um that, that was wild and then we won't really talk about amusement park that's kind of an enigma but um then martin and uh dawn of the dead right mm -hmm. that was his 70s uh coming into this one he um night riders which is what he made after dawn of the dead which is like the most unlikely follow-up to one of the greatest horror movies ever made right um he uh, he teamed up with um, back up with Donald Rubenstein, who um, who was a co-producer on Dawn, and he he's agreed to finance three movies as long as one of them was another dead movie, and so that's how he got to make um, this and then um, Creepshow. So he said this was the greatest time of his life making movies. He had full full control. He had nobody meddling. He was left to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, and yeah, he made this weirdo my motorcycle movie. And uh, it's funny too, because this originally, the script was supposed to be more straightforward, like actual Camelot type story. But when he was pitching it to Rubenstein, Rubenstein apparently was a big motorcycle movie guy. <laughs> said if you, <laughs> if you make it motorcycles instead of horses, then maybe you've got something. And so... <laughs> And so Romero was like, well, screw that. I'm not ever, I'm not doing that. And then a couple of years later, he came back around to the script and he started kind of thinking about that idea. And he's like, well, you know what? That, that could work. So he retooled the script to make it, to make it contemporary with motorcycles. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And now, I, I mean, I'm going to admit to you something. I thought, like you said, this was going to be some sort of a weird fantasy, like, yeah, like literal feudal system with motorcycles left over from like a bombed out, like post apocalypse. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking Absolutely. this is going to be some too. sort of Mad Max sort of situation, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't bother watching the trailer. I started the movie. Here's Ed Harris, you know, sleeping out in the wilderness with his lady and they put on their, their armor and they put it. And I know that and, there's and a that, motorcycle and that, could, and, that, and that could still fit. I could yeah, still fit with your I preconception. Mean, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we're all going, we're going good. And then they're driving to an event 
And it's like, wait a minute. Those roads have lines painted on them. <laughs> those roads look pretty good for a post-apocalypse. What? Do, and then, and then they get to like a fairground, and it's just like normal yokels and shit. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I, I guess I'm gonna find out over the next two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're gonna find all, all, all about this, uh, this roving band of of uh motorcycle circus performers i was kind of surprised jeff at your like nine minutes into the movie thing you're going to need to explain this to me i'm like you've only seen nine minutes like give it some time man you've got two hours and ten minutes left i still have (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean over 117 more minutes i did figure it out but i still have questions um but i uh, but the questions i have are now better fit into what plays out in the movie. Sure. Uh, Because as I said to you, Jason, privately, after I finished the movie, this movie has no business being this good. Yeah. I mean, the, the concept should not work. And yet I'm 20 minutes in and I'm like, I give a shit about every single thing that's going on in this in this troops world it's, it's it's oddly engrossing yeah yeah and i think i think the reason for that for me is it's is his earnestness like well, it, yeah. it really it really you could just tell that the people making this kind of give a shit and that yeah. romero is trying to kind of say something and he and he's he's everything is played so straight because it is and um and then you, yes, I will acknowledge that this is a goofy movie, right? <laughs> well, like you cannot get away from the goofiness. But I'm there's not... something else happening there in parallel with all that goofiness that is a real compelling human drama. I'm not surprised you like it, Jason, because in a lot of ways this reminds me of Twin Peaks, huh. and it's soap opera s sure kind of the melodrama of it yeah yeah and it's it's weird it's quirky it's like it's not quirky in the sense of a lynch film it's just quirky in sense of story yeah but jeff i like i'm shocked that you like this movie i don't know why i just i i i I knew he would i just knew he would i had this gut feeling that that jeff was gonna dig it well here's here's uh, i'm gonna just gonna give you um some of the stuff that I thought about while I was watching this, because like I said, it is very, very oddly compelling what's going on. And a lot of that is because we spend every minute of this movie with this group of people that we understand who they are, even if I don't know any of their names, really. <laughs> or their backgrounds, even. You kind of understand who they are in this time and place. Right. I understand who they are. I understand why they're here. I understand um, kind of the dynamic of this, right? It's a fantasy within a real world that has a real business element to it also. And it's, you know, it's like, and, and you can, and it's like Ed Harris is trying to kind of live in this fantasy but when he's confronted with realism it's it's harsh you know and it's like yeah any but anyway but i got to thinking about like other movies that it made me think about or that it reminded me of like um i've talked about this movie before uh carney from 1980 yeah i haven't seen that yet you spend a lot of i mean you spend the entire movie 
in the carnival, you understand what everybody's role is, what they mean to each other, who, you know, how they all have to kind of chip in here. You know, there's a, it's a little society inside society as a whole. Um, and another carny sort of thing is, uh, I mean, it, you very quickly get the same thing from, um, you know, from freaks or from sure. Nightmare Alley, sure. where you're with yeah. these types of people and you start to understand that really, really deeply and really, really well. And um, it, it really kind of enhances the movie as a whole. And uh, and it does end up making this movie, um, you know, I, I kind of also like to call it, um, you know, kind of wonderfully quaint also in yeah. the sense that it's, it is such a silly idea but that earnestness it's like this is this is kind of a real movie this is a real story being told here and on the surface it seems inconsequential but as you kind of go along with this troop of people it's a whole different it's a whole different beast by the time you end and and it's a real it's a real story being told yeah and i think i think part of it too is um you're dropped right into it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to kind of unpack as you go through its runtime, which, um, which I, I, I was, I will say feels a little long. Um, this may be a little over, overwrought at times, but, but there's, there's, there's kind of the fun of a movie like this for me is, is like, okay, how does all of this work? How did we get here? Right. And they never, they never really beat you over the head with backstory, but they give you just enough in the way people react to each other and the way people talk and the conflicts that arise. They give you enough information to kind of piece together how they got here and how where they are now is kind of teetering between them losing the plot of what made it special to begin with and actually becoming a business. And some people are on the side of it becoming a business. And then some people are on the side of, well, why can't things be like they used to be and how they were when we were just, when we were just doing this as a community for ourselves. Right. Well, it's, it's funny to say this too, but it's like a lot of, um, there were several, uh, or at least there are a couple of instances where um youtube people would form these little like communities and these troops where maybe everybody is doing their own thing but sometimes they come together for something or sometimes they're just doing their but they're all part of like a network and as the moment that things got big then starts the 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 drama within the group right and it's like some people are trying to hang on to, well, this is the way things have always been done. And some other people are like, yeah, but it ain't good for me. I'm always going to be second fiddle to this or that or the other. Well, and yeah, it's I mean, like, we have experience with that here at Film Seizure. I mean, yeah. Julie, the backseat driver, she, <laughs> she got True. too big, tried to blow the whole thing up, yeah. tried to split us and divide us. And she just went out on her own. And that's fine. Julie, that's do fine. your thing. But don't try and sow seeds of dissent. Here, a film seizure. We won't have it. Won't have it, Julie. 
Exactly right, King Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to fight the dragon, Julie. <laughs> I didn't have Julie this backseat driver on my bingo card today. <laughs> I am fucked. Well, we I, it's a good thing it's a good thing I had Chuck audio problems on mine because I think I just bingoed with that. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, no, um something else that's really interesting about this, and, and I'm sure we'll get into much more detail about this, but Tom Savini is ostensibly the villain of yeah. this movie and yet it is treated very much much as we will hear complaints from stephen king throughout the first scene of the movie <laughs> it is very much like wrestling where there's yeah. a, there is yes he is the rival but he is not the bad guy yeah i don't actually ever except for yeah maybe there's some things he does or or that's unsavory um, particularly when it comes to his relationships and stuff, but I don't really blame him for wanting his own piece of the pie. He's, he represents like progressive being a progressive right. person. So if you think that's evil or not, like, or even capitalist, right? Like he's bringing something to a feudal society that wouldn't normally be there. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not, he's not trying to split anybody up. He's not trying to, create schism he's he in his mind is truly doing what he feels is would be best for everyone he's like look money can solve a lot of problems yeah because they constantly um, talk about how much trouble they have getting from town to town yeah and and you know like um uh george romero's wife uh christine forrest is like the mechanic and she can only go i mean like by the end of this movie they are literally running on fumes and broken down bikes that you know she can't fix anymore she's like you have one more go at this that's all you have left you know and that's yeah they they're they're struggling but yet you know i understand you want to keep things the way they were but at the same time it's like <laughs> you know the realism he's, he's, of it he's, is he's, bad. he's 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 the practical he's the practical one yeah for sure and ed harris uh uh billy He's the the dreamer. He's the he's the idealist of the group, right? And he's the one who started this whole thing. And a lot of the people who came along are a part of this because of him and because of those early ideals that he instilled in this group. Um, but uh, but but he also has a problem with accepting everyone. Problem, you know, in air quotes, may or may not be one. But he can't have it both ways. Both ways, he can't provide for everyone in this group without you know making it a business and, right. he's seen and, and if it, it's going to be a business he can't be a king anymore to, to that uh, right he, that too yeah it's like you, you're you know it's like he he is he is acting like a king but at the same time it's like it it, it can't work that way it's you know it's like it, it just isn't these people are coming from a from a society that has a little bit more democracy than than what a kingdom would. And, and you know, even his even his girlfriend, his his lover is she's still there, but she even tells him, you know, I'm I'm I don't think that I'm here for you anymore. That's why I I stayed for as long as I did, but now I'm here for something else. I'm not here for you. So even his like most closest 
confidants. Even Merlin is trying to like, you know, talk to him and say, "Hey, look, you know, you're you're pushing things too far. You gotta you gotta be nicer to people. Um, you gotta listen to people, right? Um, because you're right. He's still he's still like living this fantasy in his head while trying to somehow keep that reality that he instilled in this group but it's it's destined to have to change here's Um, here's some something that's vastly interesting to me if you don't mind me interjecting because it's really obvious from the beginning that alan and amy are in love sure like extremely obvious so i'm very curious about whether billy took alan's girlfriend made her his queen in the sense of this play pretend ren fair thing that became ultra serious and alan doesn't have his lady anymore hmm. right like there's a weird there's a weird like dynamic there the whole time and even alan doesn't know how to describe what billy is doing I, I really didn't even know what Alan represents in this movie. Honestly, it's a major problem for me, but um, I don't know. It's just interesting that they're clearly in love, but she's still playing the game for Billy. Right. Like when, when she says what you mentioned earlier, I don't even know if I'm here for you anymore. She's talking about Alan. Sure. That's why she's still there. Not because of the cause. Well, I think I, I do think, also think she cares about everybody else a little bit more than Billy. Seems yeah. To. Uh, yeah. I think she, I think she, I think it's not just Billy. I mean, if it were just Billy or Alan, you mean, or, or Alan. Yeah. If it were, if it were just Alan, um, why, why, you know, and, and, Alan, is, and Alan is there for Billy too, then it's, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I get what not you're saying. Just, I don't mean just, I just mean like the predominant. Feeling. I, I, I don't get the sense though that there was like a like he stole his girl. I think they're Alan and uh, what's her name, Julie. Lynette. Oh, Lynette. Lynette. I think I think that happened over time. I think Maybe. I think what you have with Billy is someone who's stuck and isn't maturing. Why? I don't know. There's it, like isn't more... isn't capable of happiness even. I think that their relationship stalled. I think she bought into all of the stuff in the beginning, and then never got anything more from Billy. But then Alan, I think if Alan feels to, to me like someone who came along a little bit later. No, oh, he's he is um, Lance a lot in this tale. Yes, I mean ultimately. Yeah, but what about? I don't know. This movie is so confusing me because Billy is constantly giving himself some kind of penance. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he is not a happy dude. I was just about to mention that he does it right after he has sex with Lynette. So does he feel bad about that? Or I don't know if it's always I don't know if it's always. He he does it later. He does it later when the when his uh, indigenous friend is throwing the chicken bones. He does it. Yeah. yeah, I know he does it later too, but why give well, yourself maybe they just that sex too, you know? Very, very likely. I think it could it could just be like very much a like, like any pleasure, right? He has to balance with pain. That could be because I mean like it could also just be that he is so lost in his role that you know it's like this is just how he he starts every day with 
with pain because at that point it can only be better at that point right and he's always making up for whatever he is whatever he's waking up with right like his by the end of the day it'll be better but then the next morning he's got to start from the bottom again and it's it's a very very um it's almost uh like really it feels almost old school biblical what he's doing to himself yeah uh, where he has to he has to feel the pain so that he feels like he has accomplished something by the end of the day. And quite frankly, I mean, maybe he likes the pain. Yeah, he could. I think he's he, in love he does, with the pain in a lot of ways. Because he does jump into a lot of situations that he should not. Yeah, because he's also already injured at the you know, from the previous whatever happened before the movie. He's already got a pretty nasty injury on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, on his um, collarbone, basically. He's also um, having a dream. He's having a recurring dream of a bird, a black bird, that seems to be chasing him. Um, and he talks to Merlin about it. And uh, that's a really good conversation where he's like, you know, it's just a dream. Maybe you're, you're, you're making too much of it. He's like, no, this is... This feels like destiny. It feels like fate. Like that, that black bird is is coming for me and for real. And he's gonna, he could be my undoing. And Merlin counters with, well, you know, the the story of of King Arthur. That's like this is not a story of King Arthur that I remember, but where he had a bunch of um, he had a prophecy that was said that he was going to be killed by his own son, and um, he had all of the sons cast away all because you know all the, the 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 young boys and the kingdom cast away because he was he had he was so um uh, what's the word promiscuous <laughs> he yeah. didn't know like he didn't know who could possibly have have sired a son of his um so he had them all cast out and then one of them ended up being rescued by a knight and trained as a knight became a knight and and challenged arthur right it was, it was i assume lancelot right in that story well um, i i mean mordred's always the one who was his undoing yes that's true um yeah. and he was trying i mean like um and, and but the point we is, talked about excalibur he was magically yeah, yeah, yeah. trained by you know but yeah. the point is that the, the merlin is trying to explain to him is like look by you making a thing of it that could be the thing that makes it happen it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy self-fulfilling prophecy um, but anyway, that's the dream he's having, and and yeah, I mean he's he's kind of just lost in his mind a little bit. He's probably not fully fully mentally healthy, our Billy. No, I mean it's you know it, it's it's one of those situations where I mean really ultimately what you have here is a very very um, sophisticated LARPing really is what this is i mean because they're living this definitely life. oh yeah definitely. i mean or at least they are mostly living this life maybe not always but mostly living this life and um it is it, it's a coping mechanism for for billy by the way ed harris this is only like a second or third movie 
Yeah. Like you fucking yeah. know this guy's got something. Oh, for sure. He's uh, really good in it. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he sells he sells his character. He really does. Yeah. And yeah. um it he, could really fall apart if if it weren't for his performance. Well, yeah. God, and, he and Savini from, too, to be honest. I thought yeah. he was really good. Yeah, yeah, Savini's really good in this too. Um he uh I mean Ed Harris goes from this to freaking the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a sharp incline yeah. he had the right stuff so he went to yeah. the right stuff he did that's kind of amazing yeah um, but he um uh but no he i mean it, it's it, this is obviously a coping mechanism for him and and yet he still offered something to other people who also enjoyed doing this thing but yeah they, they are uh you know after the um so they go to an event and, and the event takes place almost like it does come across like a Ren fair. People come and they see, you know, they watch the, the jousting and the, and the day's games and, um, hoagie man, who is Stephen King is, yeah. is spouting off to the whole crowd about how it's all fake. It's like wrestling. It's that's all his, fake. That's it's his, all written. That's, that's Tabitha King with him too. She's, she's in there. Yep. With him. And, cool. um, you never see Tabitha. You're right. <laughs> And so they, um, you know, but like, uh, well, he, uh, Stephen King was just practicing for his his role in Creep Show. Oh yeah, know? it's meteor shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Stephen King never act again, please. <laughs> although I don't know, I would watch a whole movie with this with this with this bumpkin character oh, from. Oh my, oh my god, I love that. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway. Oh yeah, I, I, I had enough. I had enough. He's, yeah, it's enough. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so the um <laughs> he uh but basically there there's a, a situation that comes up where Sir Morgan, who's Tom Savini, challenges King Billy. Um or there's a challenge for the crown and Billy steps in. Basically, and he's already hurt and they're basically telling him, "You can't. You've got to let your own guys defend the crown i mean that's, that's the point you know you can't do everything um which is another one of his faults he's always trying to be everything and it's quickly unraveling yeah um it was already unraveling before the movie started and it, it only um unravels more at this point um but he ends up getting severely hurt and he gets a gash uh where he was already injured. Merlin has to patch him up. He comes out of the medical tent, and this little kid comes up and says, Will you sign your name in this magazine? And he is incensed by this because he is basically being labeled in the in the article as a he always says, well, you think I'm evil Knievel. I'm not, we're not that we're not evil Knievel or whatever. Right, right, right. And yet really what he's doing is stuntman style, like daredevil type of stuff. And he, it is clashing with the character he thinks he is. Sure. Yep. So this is where the real life, this is your first sign that he cannot really handle the real world. Yeah. He, he even, he even says at one point, some people will think I'm uh, like Charlie Manson or Jim Jones, right? You know, so he's he has all these perceptions of him from the public at large that are that don't mesh with who he sees as himself, right? And now all the people around him are having trouble seeing him as that as well. So it's it's a complete and total breakdown of of his psyche of his it's, it's an identity crisis is in progress 
Yeah, I mean, and because like after he walks, he's like, "Sorry, kid, I'm not signing it." You know, it's like that's not that's not who I am, and um, you know, and and Tom Savini's like, "Well, hey, I'll sign it because I'm going to be the next." He knows at that point this thing is coming to an end. Yeah, one way or another, what they had is now pretty much done, um, and it's on its last legs. Um, then because they're also getting hassled by the cops. And my God, these cops really hate these people. <laughs> like, you know, it is, this is like almost unrealistic hate. Yeah, it's 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 like classic kind of uh, movie, uh, small town cop coming in to shake up, shake down the, the, you know, hippie performers just trying to, just passing through, right? And uh, but it's interesting because they got permission from the sheriff. Like they have permission. They had advanced permission. Yeah, this they guy's just go, a fucking deputy. <laughs> they don't go anywhere they're they're not wanted. So so Billy he calls her bluff. He's like he's not gonna do shit. You know we've got the, the sheriff's permission to be here. You bring the sheriff down here, and then maybe you know we'll have a conversation. And they leave. Uh, but they do come back later, and they arrest. Um, What's his name? The Bagman. Uh, the Bagman. Yeah, they they arrest Bagman. It's like I think you probably got some weed in there or something, you know. Yeah. And it's like fat fat cop pulling gun instead of warrants. Like that right. is, I mean, right. and again, he's just a deputy. You right. know, it's like, it, and he does get chewed out for his. Well, behavior. you come to find out that, yeah, the deputy is trying to make some money on the side while the sheriff is on his fishing trip. Yeah. yeah. That's what you find out. And the sheriff is none too pleased about it. And even less pleased is Billy, who wants to tear him apart. Um, because because Bagman man. gets the shit the, the shit beat out of him in jail. Yeah. But this is an important thing because this is this is part of what makes Billy great and part of what makes Billy unable to lead. He he refuses to let Bagman go. To jail alone because he's like there's going to be a witness if you're going to rough him up there's going to be a witness and the, what the cops want is a bribe they just want to be paid but billy's not having that either whereas tom savini is like look just pay him yeah. just pay him like just, just, get, him just, fuck off our just back. get him the fuck off our back this because how they're leaving works. the next morning you know and, and billy won't have it so you know, and in some respect he's trying to stand up for his principles and ideals but those principles and ideals are going to get the shit kicked out of Bagman. But then he's like, well, I'll go with you and be a witness, and maybe you, they won't do what they're going to do. But they do. Of course yeah, they do. Yeah, they're going to do it anyway because, again, it's going to come down to, oh, they're just saying shit. It's, you can't believe them. They were they were stoned or whatever. You know, it's like he, he he's not going to be able to convince – like, who's he going to tell afterwards? They don't even – I mean, like, as far as they know, the sheriff is nowhere to be found anyway, and maybe the sheriff is in on this for all. And they then know. you know, a lot of people are like, "This is ridiculous." You know, you have there are a lot of people that count on you here. You need to, you need to not go to jail right now. Well, yeah, because right? they said we got to be in Bakersfield or wherever in three wherever. days, and we're not going to make it if you go to jail because we don't know how long you're going to be there. And he's just like. Fuck it. I don't care. You guys stay well, he's, here. He's like, wait for me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and like that does not he's fly. He's just shoot from the hip, with, man. Yeah. He's just shoot from the hip. And, and people, there's too many people who have a lot invested in this 
to to not be a democracy at this point. Yep. Right. And so Lynette's like, fuck that. Yeah. You, 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 and you go do these things. The rest of us, we're leaving. It's like you're the you're the only one who has to stay, basically. Um, because if he's gonna play these fucking games, you know, to hell with him. And um right then you can tell she's had enough of his shit. I mean, she's yeah. already had to watch him get injured again, you know. It's uh yeah. Meanwhile, um we meet uh Julie Dean. Julie, yes. Yes. Patricia um, Tallman. Um yes. she's a firecracker in this movie. She is a firecracker in this movie. Some people may recognize her as um she played the was her character named Barbara as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um in the Night of the Living Dead remake. She was that Barbara. Tom Savini directed. That Tom Savini directed, exactly. Um, um, and she was actually, her, for a while, she was also married to one J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of Babylon 5, and uh, a pretty damn good Spider-Man writer until his final story, which is so unfortunate that that's a story for another time. Huh, okay. um, he was the one who, unfortunately, had to, his last story on Spider-Man was the, was the, uh, the, um, the uh, basically the dissolving of Peter and Mary Jane's marriage by really okay. stupid means, editorial decision he didn't want to do, and he was stuck with it, and he will forever. I thought this was a story for another. Yeah, time. I was about to say it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. Come back to my podcast where I'll talk about the Kevin Smith movies and Spider Man one more day. <laughs> I mean, you said it. Not I know, but that was it. But that was it. That's the that's, that's the it. end of the that's, that's the end it. of the story. Yeah, he's yeah. So anyway, but yeah, uh, she was also on Babylon Five because you know, I mean, uh, apparently I, think, I thought I recognized her from that. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I know I know her because they they made Barbara kick ass in the yeah. in the remake, and it's kind of awesome. I, I like. Is she one of the Babylon sisters. Babylon shake it, sisters, shake it. <laughs> you're gonna shake it, you're gonna shake it. Anyway, <laughs> she she leaves her family, her shit ass dad. And, who uh, beats the mom. shit out of her mom yeah. just for her not what was it that he got mad at her about that he takes the beer her out on wasn't mom? cold enough or something oh uh, no because all, she drops she the, really all she really says is this is because of me we don't know why he beat well, her up he, but i assume it's because she wasn't at home she was uh there. she did also well, that um, was later mouth but, off, she did mouth off to him too at the at the event yeah, at the um, event. Well, they didn't because, show him hit her at the event. No. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, but like she, he, he does something. Oh no, he drops his ear of corn, and he wants a he wants another ear of corn, and she's like, okay, well that's another seventy five cents, and she he's calls like him a fat slob. Right. And Julie and she, calls him a calls him a fat slob. Yeah, and then she fat also when she's kind of like stomping about that, she also drops her side of the of the cooler full of beer that he made her and her mom carry to yeah. which he's like, Hey, you're going to make the beer all, you know, shaking up, you're going to shake the beer up or whatever. And it's like, and I think that was probably what instigated any other thing later that eventually leads to him beating up her mom. Well, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, he, Julie says the reason, um, but yeah, we'll get there later. Um, that's one of my like kind of issues with this movie is how that whole storyline wraps up. But 
yeah, we'll talk she's, about that later. Uh, Julie too. ultimately, unfortunately, even though I think she's really an interesting character and somebody that I kind of like it when she is kind of cheering on Alan when he's fighting Morgan next to Morgan's girlfriend. Well, well no, I'm trying to get that, to that. I'm trying to get to who she is and why she's there. Well, so I was just, she's okay. She's she's there because she leaves her family and she sees Alan and she kind of like makes eyes at Alan and Alan's like, well, sure, why not? You know, he's another townie girl. You know, I think they make reference to the townie girls. And then uh, he, uh, yeah, she's she's kind of watching with him and getting the the inside view of the whole affair and uh, and then she ends up deciding to to leave with them. Right, she's another stray that the the troop picks up. Uh, question: How old do you think she's supposed to be in this? Um, 18, 17. I was, I was thinking I, uh, school age, but I'm not sure. I don't know. 17. I was thinking I was thinking out after high school, but not. I mean, because I don't know. Could be a small more, town. Did, did get a college? Common, yeah, could more be like nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot less common that that people moved out of their homes. That's very true. That. She that's has a dad true. that says you're not dating until you're 21. Kind so of. So she's not 21. Yeah. So she could be. She could be 20 and is like. Yeah. I mean, all I'm yeah. saying is she's older, but she's still under the thumb. Well, right. it, well, it makes it weird if if she's a minor. Is all I'm saying. But right. um, oh sure. But I but, but I don't think she is. So um, she is naive though a little bit. Oh, she's very naive, and, and that's that's ultimately the spells the ending of yeah her and Alan right. Um, but uh but yeah she's there um she's hanging with alan you've also got um uh oh gosh the mechanic's name what is angie her name angie yeah that, that's uh yeah that's george romero's george romero's second wife or first wife yeah um and i believe she was wasn't she a co-producer on uh dawn of the dead Assistant director and assistant director on Dawn of the Dead, Angie, the mechanic. Christine Forrest. Yeah. Yeah. That's where that's where they met. Um, and then they worked on several films together. Or maybe that's no, they, they met on they uh, met, they, they met on um, Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. Um yeah, because yeah, because uh, her role in Martin was written specifically for her. Yeah. But anyway, she's got a thing for Sir Morgan, played by Tom Savini, and you kind of get a sense that that's an on again, off again type deal. Like, like he won't commit to her, and she has self esteem issues where she doesn't feel like she's pretty. And well, um, she's and, she's also a tomboy, which also yeah. carries the weight of is she gay? You right, know? right. Um, to which she she then um, kind of uses that uh, as a kind of a way to make herself feel better about that by pointing that directly at the guy who is gay in the oh, I don't think she, I don't think she's doing that to Pip but I don't think she's trying to be mean or mean spirited I do think she's projecting a little bit yeah I mean it's the and, projection or, that or, is... or deflecting a little bit but also she's like hey we're a tight-knit community here we're your friends. I think she's legitimately trying to just let him know that it's a safe space. To, to uh, there are still certain things that maybe you don't say even to fair. I but mean, she, especially but I, but if you're I, not. 
But but I do agree with Pip. Like, fucking lay off, right? right? I didn't answer the first three times. Like, shut the fuck up. Leave me alone, right? I mean, she oversteps. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it in public is the real thing. They could have had that conversation together. And they do have a a couple of really good conversations later. They do. You know, and it's, uh, they really do bond, um, Uh you know, to the point where they become. Well, they're already best friends. Yeah. But they, but they almost become like. best friends already. They say it. That's and that's part of why I like, think she's just like you know you don't tell me everything we're th- as close right. as you are but she picked the wrong venue to do that yeah yeah you don't do that yes, in front of everyone yes. in Tom Savini <laughs> and Tom Savini kind of you know pokes a little bit everyone in Tom Savini yeah is everyone and Tom name. Savini yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one. <laughs> Oh my God! The liner notes would be forever on that with uh, everyone. And Tom Savini. <laughs> no way. Um, but yeah, that kind of signifies like another kind of crack, right? Like not everybody feels comfortable being who they are. But even he says, Pip says, you know, I don't know who I am. I'm still yeah. trying to figure that out, right? And that's part of the, the things that I like about this movie. Is you have a lot of misfit toys, if you will, that mm-hmm. have found their island, right? Um, and they're all starting to try. They're all actually. It's not that the the concept is breaking apart. It's that these people are starting to grow, and maybe able to live another life that's not this fantasy that accepted them, right? Yeah. And Pip is one of those people. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. Um... You know, I mean, this isn't the this isn't the weekly Dungeons and Dragons game where you get together on whatever night, (laughs) you throw you throw dice, yeah, you play your 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 whatever you know that part of the uh, whatever it's called quest, and then you go home, right? You're you're living with this, you know. So it's like you're you're now being, you know, this is this is where LARPing can be a little bit more than just you know, putting on costumes and doing the thing. I don't yeah. want to drag every DM into this in the world, but if you know any DMs, they take their one hour or two hours extremely seriously. Oh, yeah. They're, that they're time, the rest that time of the is, week. hold on, hold on. That time is very sacred to them. So if you don't involve yourself in it, it's a problem. Yeah. And you're talking about people here that are dedicating their whole lives to this. If you yeah. don't, if you're not bought in, it's a problem. Right. And Billy and, Billy is the ultimate DM yep. in this movie who also doesn't know who he is in some ways. Or he thinks he knows who he is, but he can't reconcile that with who he actually is. But yeah. 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 I mean, like, no. you know, you talk about like how DMs take things seriously. I mean, they spend <coughs> all the week in between whatever the designated D, you know, D&D night is working on the next thing. And Billy doesn't really do that. He, he, he kind of folds in on himself. Oh, I'm, you know, the, the, the blackbird is chasing me. I'm, you know, it's like, I'm not this guy. I'm not that. And this is how we're going to do things. And this is, you know, and it's like, it, the things are a little on autopilot. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, and like later, there's also, um, what we don't know until much later is that there's a lot of bad rumblings and bad feelings with the merchants. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, because they are almost working like, you know, it, it's it, they're, they're working like serfs yeah. for Billy instead of being able to sell something for them to have anything of their own. It's kind of the double-edged sword, right? Because they they have decided to come and stay. But that's another food another food to feed. That's another mouth to feed. Um, and as Lynette says, you know, we've got a goddamn overhead now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it keeps getting worse with every new person. So, so their complaint is, well, we spent too much money on motorcycle parts and all of that stuff. And the Billy counters with, well, that's why people come to the show. They don't come to the show to buy your purses and shit, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of has a point, but it's also kind of Billy, like, betraying himself there. Like, yeah. he's a capitalist, too. Like, he knows what pays the bills, right? Um, so, he's not giving equal share to, yeah, like you said, the serfs. Um or at least equal attention. And he, he comes around to that later. Like he, he realizes later in the third act that he, he hasn't been being, he hasn't been available to everyone when he sits next to the guy playing the guitar and listens Mm -hmm. to him finally, you know, it's like him, him showing that he's, he's let this get out of hand. He's mostly involved. I wonder what the economic like folding in was when it was horses. And not oh, motorcycles, because the I motorcycles think it was a totally are, different movie. I think it was a totally very good avenue to the to the breakdown of of what they can accomplish, right? Yep. Like if it was horses, unless they were dying, like that whole part of the story is yeah. probably like the most one of the most intriguing things is that the resources are depleted. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have to think that the the main struggle ultimately in the movie would just be the internal like oh the king is kind of off his rocker you yeah know? i think it was supposed to be more classical arthurian yeah. the original script yeah the uh yeah the and what he did was to make contemporaries he he made it more like about the you know the the subtext of that yeah 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 it's just I mean, vastly more interesting i think yeah in a contemporary time like competing with that stuff and trying to be yeah. a pure, I mean, not that feudal societies are good. Like I don't even, I would argue that what they're trying to have there isn't a good thing. Right. No. Right. <laughs> right. no. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say, it's like, there's, I, I find myself oftentimes getting fascinated with this exact so- sort of thing, right. Where it's like, Oh, okay. So they are, kind of living sort of in their own little society kind of off the grid they only really interact with the rest of a town or society if they are promoting themselves right they'll come through as a parade like a circus would when it comes to town and they they hang up the stuff on the on the telephone poles and everything but really they are like kind of off the grid in a uh you know in a time where that was still kind of possible, like conceivably, if this group was a little smaller, they would have been able to live this life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the fascinating. problem. It's, 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 it's gotten too big. And, and you know, where you have the carny life, the circus life, right? Like that, 
before it kind of turned into Barnum and Bailey and all that, it was it was pretty much all independent contractors, mm-hmm. right? You had your act, you had your booth, you had the protection of the group, you had the bargaining power of the group, but you were responsible for making your own money. You you were doing your own barking, barking, right? You were you were charging a mission for your own show, and that's the money you came away with. Now some of it goes back into the communal pot, right? Some of it um, is there, you know, for your protection, for your meals, for the breakdown and takedown of of like the big circus tents and the things that bring people in. But by all means, you know, you you are making money for yourself. Well, this is grown now into essentially a carnival, right? And it's led by someone who doesn't want to make money. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. Like the or little vendors they- are, they are trying to make money for themselves and they're allowed to do so selling crafts, arts and crafts and things, but, but it's not enough. Well, it seems like there, there's too much piece of that pie going to the king and right. what he wants to do. Cause it's all, it's all going into the pot. Right. It's exactly right. It's all going to the pot. And it's going to pay for motorcycle parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't remember a single person that's part of the troop eating food. Yeah, I don't either. I never and, saw uh, their there, their meals together. There are a couple of scenes where they are where there is a pot, like you know, like like an old school like pot over a pit, and like it looks like beans or chili or something is probably was being made. And so there are a couple of scenes where I don't think we ever actually see them having their meal, but I do think that we are given the belief at least oh everybody's just hanging out after the meal getting ready for bed and you know having having a little bit of beer having a little bit of pot and just kind of unwinding yeah um Uh, but yeah i remember the big you know the big kettle you know that sort of thing so so billy went to jail billy and bagman went to jail let's pick up there and, yeah, uh, and, so and, uh, Julie and Alan are tasked with finding, um, you know, uh, finding the sheriff because Julie knows the town. Right, correct, correct. Um, in fact, it, it is a pretty funny scene when when they go to the sheriff's house at like four a.m. with the, his uh, the wife. wife yeah, answers, <laughs> damnable, you're damnable. <laughs> And Julie's like, fuck, whatever. It just leaves Those without. bikes are damnable. I love the word damnable. Yeah. It's a wonderful word. Um, <laughs> you know, in a way, there is also that, that there is a whole counterculture element to this oh, movie, Oh, for too. sure. For sure there is. Um, because they are treated that way. I was kind of hoping, uh, and Chuck could chime in here at any time, but I know Chuck just recently rewatched Easy Rider. Um, I kind of wanted to watch it again before before recording this episode to get a little bit of the not necessarily a point counterpoint but a comparison um because this is several years later obviously a whole decade more than a decade later but it's kind of like the those the easy rider guys if they didn't die at the end of easy rider you know it would be maybe something they'd be kind of digging in the early 80s right well, it's it's the it's a, a, maybe a traveling not, motorcycle roadshow, right? Yeah, maybe it's and, not and, the America they find, but the America they make, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, um, and you, they even have their own lawyer in this, right? They have their own Jack Nicholson <laughs> in Night Rider. It's, it's so very, it's very easy rider. Um, 
I think it is expanding on that idea. Um, raise your hand if my audio has gone wonky because I'm having problems, but um, it's very easy rider. I think it is kind of like an examination, maybe not on purpose, of what would have happened if they kept on their trail yeah. and formed formed kind of a, a traveling circus. Yeah. And Steve is totally like uh, Jack Nicholson from Easy Rider, like yeah. 100%. I thought about Easy Rider a lot watching this. Okay, I'm not cool. doing a great job of it, explaining it, but yeah. I, 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 cool. I, I got that feeling too. I, I want to rewatch Easy Rider. It feels like the perfect time. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. I'm good. I'm glad that, that, that sentiment is shared because that was the vibes I was getting, especially with Steve the lawyer. I mean, so this was Steve, Steve the lawyer is just a guy who, who they hooked up with some point that rides ahead to the towns to set up the, the date when the, the carnival will be in, sign all the paperwork and all the legalities out of the way, like make sure everything's kosher. Like, do you want us here? And if we come, what do we need? What rules do we need to play by? Right? He does all the all the legal bureaucratic crap that so that Billy doesn't have to do it. Um, but he only has so many connections, and that's kind of his point. Is he he's like, look, you could be playing bigger towns for more money. You could, if you wanted to, you could do like three or four of these a year in big towns and then just live the rest of the life, the, way, the rest of the year, the way you want to live your, live your life, you know, just take a few big paydays instead of sing it for your supper every other night. Um, but, Ed, but, but Billy's just not hearing it. He's just not hearing it. He's like, no, that's gonna, that's, that's not what we're in this for. We're not in this for, for corporate sponsorships and big crowds. We're, we do just enough to get by. Um, is the impression anyway? He never says those words, but well, he doesn't Bagman, really want to make a profit. Even Bagman tries to talk him out of that. He's like, "You have yeah. to put your life first because yeah. if you die, your ideals die with you." Yeah, that's a great. Which is ultra. It's a wonderful scene, um, yeah. and it's ultra important, and it's something that Billy won't accept. No, like the entire movie, it, he will it, not Bill, accept it. Billy is almost. He is almost to a fault unwilling to really think about himself, but also thinks entirely for himself. Yeah. 100%. Isn't that weird? Like it's, it is it's weird. a, it is a, he's a very complicated character. He's the most, regard. he's the most selfish, unselfish person. Ever. He's the most selfish, self-centered person on the yeah. planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's, yeah, his his idea of of being magnanimous is self serving. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? It's a yeah. bit of it's a bit of he's got a martyr complex. Yeah, and I think he thinks that everybody truly has the same thoughts and feelings and desires that he does, and it's like you're just not hearing that they don't. You know, it's like maybe maybe. You know, because like there is that really good scene after Billy gets out of the tent early on. He's injured. And Morgan's talking to him before that kid comes up. And Morgan is like trying in a nice way to say it's like this is all fucked up, dude. It's like, it, you know, but like he can't just he can't really hit Billy with what he really should say. 
because I think sometimes I think some of the people are also scared of hurting Billy's feelings or getting on his bad side and being kind of cast out or whatever. It's I don't know. It's all very weird because like, again, that's why you cannot look at Morgan as the he can be the um, uh, what the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The antagonist. But he's not sure the bad guy. No, he's the counterpoint. Um, yeah, and the really, the, I mean, there really isn't a good guy either. Um, no, you know, there's, really. a, there's, you could look at Billy as a protagonist, but, but really, he's he's his own worst enemy. Yep. Um, so really, what you just have are just two human beings who are on opposite sides of of an ideal, right? And uh, and and both of them believe in some aspect of it. For all all of Tom Savini's you know, decrying of, of, you know, boy, Billy runs things. He's there for a reason. Even if he says it was just for the bikes, he's there for a reason, right? Yeah. There's a he community would, he would that accepted him. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. And, um, so he, he believes in some element of this, but he also is like, it's fall, it's c- coming apart. And if that happens, I got it. I got to make sure I've got some, the next thing lined up for me. He's thinking about, you know, the future. So so yeah so you've got you've got um, uh, Billy and, and uh, Bagman coming back with um, it's Steve and Merlin right they're all they're all traveling to join rejoin the group you've also got Alan who has picked up uh, taken Julie home and picked up her crap because she's hitting the road with him and that's where you have the scene where her mom has got the the black eye and, and Julie says he did that because of me didn't he. And she doesn't say anything, but yeah, kind of maybe. I mean, yeah. I get the impression he he beats the shit out of her a lot, right? And um, uh, to a certain extent, this is this is maybe the first time that you think, oh, I don't know how I feel about Julie, because she never confronts her. Like, if she's that mad that his that her dad would beat up her mom, or she is kind of sending some sense of um like i don't know frustration that her mom is taking the 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 hits for her, right she just is like fuck it i'm out of here and it's like you might you might be killing your mom here you know i don't know, you know what i, I mean I'm, I'm it's not, like I'm it's not gonna if it's not it's certainly not a safe environment no and, but uh, but at the same and, time and, and she doesn't she does not have that responsibility to sure. to her mother if it's unsafe for her I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there in this this dialogue like she's got to get out of the house what 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 bothers me is that that Alan brings her back and just sure. and just and just leaves her and we can't hear you Chuck and then and then it's almost played for laughs when the light in the house comes on and she's like oh shit I was like yeah oh shit she's probably gonna get the shit beat out of her right I one hundred that just that that bugs me in this movie sure. I 100% agree because the reason these people are in this troupe to begin with feels like Julie's situation. Yeah. They don't have a place to be. They're in an unsafe environment. They found something that an, a group of people they can live with that will support them. And Alan is like, no, you don't qualify. For yeah. This. Well, yeah. For whatever it, 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 fucking it, reason. It's like, look, you don't have to be together, Alan. But maybe she does belong. She clearly belongs based on what their criteria seems to be. 
Yeah, I yeah, because Alan also like the decision is made immediately after her saying, "Hey, what are you doing up there talking? Aren't we going to have some fun or whatever?" Down by like yeah. the, and it's like, well, what did you expect her to want to do there? You know, and it's like, right. yes, she is being kind of naive and she is being kind of young, but that's on Alan for just picking up a townie and hitting the road with it you know yeah, it's like, and, and a townie i will who, say he who made had that a decision shitty, beforehand but yeah yeah who had a shitty home life yeah um exactly i mean i'm, I'm sure like lynette would have like well that would be awkward now but <laughs> somebody would have taken her under their it wouldn't way. have been awkward for alan if you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh no i don't know i mean like i i just um yeah it's or is there it, somewhere it, else he could take her like taking her home that's like the worst thing yeah because yeah, like yeah because she doesn't understand why he's doing it like she even tells him i don't know I, I i don't understand why we're here or what you what you're doing and um you know i mean he yeah he does kind of make that decision for her and it's and it's kind of unfortunate and then it shows that just about every character in this movie is flawed in some way sure um but again I don't think, it's, but my problem though is i don't think that was supposed to be a character flaw moment i think it was supposed to be a you're not the right girl for me i'm growing as a person i can't be with you now we don't know what to do with this character so i'm going to take her back home and then play it for a laugh it's like gross yeah i don't know i mean it's the one thing the, the way that julie's kind of story ends which is unfortunate because i do like her a lot in the movie in every scene that she's in it's like i like her and yet by the end of her story she does feel extraneous yeah you yeah know, it's like where it's like you could have just cut that out the completely. movie discards her just like alan does yeah right and it's just yeah. like why was she even in this movie at this point right exactly yeah because she was the person that everyone explained the inner goings to, to us. <laughs> she was a plot Fair device. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. was our eyes. Yeah. yeah. She was but, she yeah. was us. Yeah. We are the newbie. Yeah. That's it a good point. It would have been way cooler if she grew in a way that she became a part of the group that didn't distinctly relate to Alan, which would have made this group even more impactful. Yeah. Which in is general. Like if she had made other friends, right? Like people exactly. she connected part, with. Part yeah. Of the group like right. she contributed that did not relate to Alan would have 100%. made the whole group make more sense. Yeah. It, exactly. Because yeah. like this is exactly why I started thinking about the movie Carney is because Jodie Foster <laughs> is the Julie character in this. Okay. Because okay. she runs away from home to join the carnival at first to be with Gary Busey, then ends up messing around with Robbie Robertson. But in the meantime, she makes other friends and becomes part of the community. Yeah, you right, know? right. And and she does not get dumped at the end. She stays with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank God she didn't end up with Gary Busey. <laughs> I don't know. They were actually kind of cute together. <laughs> Where's <laughs> Gary Busey? <laughs> oh boy. That was good. Gary Busey that in 1980, by the way. <laughs> He was still good in Silver Bullet, too. Yep. He, was he, was good. he was good for a while. He was good for yeah. a while. I mean, I love Gary Busey. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't uh, want to be in bed with him, though. That's for no, sure. No. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> let's see. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, basically, they're they're headed to the other town. Now, right, one they're point, all going to converge on, on the other town. 
at one point, Billy in the car with Merlin or in the truck with Merlin is kind of lamenting the situation. Yeah. Why did they, why did they go ahead? Why are, why is this happening? And it's kind of having a pity party. And Merlin's like, I ain't fucking dealing with this. Yeah. And, and basically gives him what for. Um, and then eventually Billy defies Merlin's wishes and gets on a bike. He takes Steve's bike in the middle of the night. And, um, and he's like, I'm going to try, I'm going to ride off ahead of you all. I got to get back to the group. Um, and he does, and there's a parade. This is also like one of those old time things you just don't see anymore, with like traveling um, shows, circuses yeah. or anything. Traveling shows they do they do a parade in town to announce their their yeah. their arrival there to drum up ticket sales. Like Friar Tuck is selling tickets. He's like, come over, you know, to the parking lot over here, and I'll sell you advance tickets. Yeah, Friar Tuck. Well, before uh, the before the parade, though, they have met. Yeah, um, this is important. Bontempi, Sheila, and I don't know what the girl's name that ends up becoming Friar Tuck's girlfriend. Oh, boy. <laughs> so there's, there's a scene that is insane. She's a photographer. It doesn't matter. Yeah, she's yeah, a photographer, photographer who's basically working with Sheila at yeah. that point. And um, now Bontempi is played by Martin Ferrero. Do you guys uh-huh. remember the scene after the car catches on fire in planes, trains, and automobiles, and they try to get a hotel room with the chard. And- yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. I knew yeah that's him. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. yeah. It's like, oh yeah, he's uh yeah, he's always this kind of sleazy kind of guy. He was know? the sleazy guy in, besides uh, Ed Harris and Steve, whom I know, this was the guy I recognized the most in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Wasn't he like a sleazy guy in uh, Jurassic Park too? Oh, was he if, Oh, was he, was he the stopped? lawyer? Was he the lawyer? He, he, he in that? Might be yes, the he lawyer was. In that. He, he was gets, Gennaro. Yeah, he was yeah. the guy who was eaten off of the uh, the shitter by the T Rex. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Real piece of shit guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Made <laughs> a career out of it. You guys have um, great memories. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, he just has that face that you recognize. I'm like, wait a minute, I know who this guy is. Um, no, so uh, but yeah, basically, there's already been a deal put into place seemingly for a television pilot for their shenanigans. That's the best way I'm going to describe it. Because a a kind of a combination of Steve, the lawyer and uh, Morgan uh, behind the scenes have been, yeah, drumming up, uh, uh, talking to people and they have an offer on the table to, to, to fund the the company and do the big towns and the big events. Like they're going to be Barnum and Bailey circus. They're going to be the traveling medieval times. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting about this is Billy, I'm sorry. Billy has a non-recognition of the fact that this kind of deal would dispel the Jim Jones, Eva, evil yeah. Knievel stuff, because what's happening to him is the public only sees what they see, which is yeah. their show. Right. right. And their show exudes a certain thing. Right. If they were to see Billy in his element day to day, hour to hour behind the scenes, they'd realize that he was a different person. Yeah. But he is he is pushing that off. So he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. In that sense. That's all I wanted to say there. No. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's a, it's a good point. Yeah. It's a great it's a great point because he's not seeing the benefit to this. Because it would maybe help him continue to live in his fantasy. Yeah. Right? But maybe well, there's another part of him, the little man inside, who knows 
that it would be bad for him. Right? Well, I don't know. yeah, because it, like they, so it they would go be to bad for show. him to, to, yeah. to allow that kind of um, megalomania to be able to creep in, have those types of crowds. He could that could really damage him further. Well, there's there's another okay. issue that that kind of comes up almost immediately, which is the crowd that is going to be tuning into this or wanting to be present for this isn't really like the first crowd that we saw is really kind of into the whole Ren Fair element of it. sure. Somewhere, the next yeah. crowd wants to play modern music wants to you know once once a more party-like atmosphere and and it it breaks billy the second time they do the show in that second town is so i don't know i love that scene but it's also like so many things going wrong at once and over time and it's like everything it is the physical anxiety it's the physically had so much anxiety there's (laughs) it's a physical manifestation of where this group has been heading right right and we we as audience members are dropped into this movie like the stop before the complete implosion right yeah so what do we have here we have pip in this show who's questioning his involvement because his king keeps getting involved in fights right right we have the people who play the trumpet music who no longer believe that this is sustainable and they fucking walk out playing rock music instead or whatever song is playing i think it's rock music it's like some kind of Um, disco rock yeah (laughs) we have the townspeople including a dude with a fucking nazi symbol stamped on his head yeah yeah wearing his own armor and taking the weapons and doing the towny thing that they weren't supposed to do the wildest thing in this fucking movie and it looks real is during a fight with stone is it Stormy or Stone? I can't remember. She gets knocked off her bike and her Rocky. bike flies into Rocky. Rocky, yeah. thank you. I knew it was something like Stormy or Stone or Rocky. She's um, awesome. Flies in the crowd and hits that lady in the face. I know. Yeah. I know. It legit looks like it hits her it in the looks face. So real. And did she throw it and they do it in reverse? Like I don't. <laughs> I know. I know that. that so so in the previous um, show, in the in the first town, there was a moment where a bike gets away and uh, and they block it you have a couple people who run in and block it well yeah they're kind of like the clowns at a uh, bullfight yeah exactly or the rodeo clowns right um but then uh yeah this one nobody's everything's broken down so there's nobody yep. nobody's at their posts and of course a bike gets loose and yeah it hits a ramp it looks like it's going to hit a, at a baby in a stroller and it's on track to do it but he hits the the rope ramp <laughs> Like at the end of the arena, and it launches, and it does. It looks like it hits that lady flat in the face. I don't. Is it a dummy? I Maybe. would have to think it might be, or yeah, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. It's crazy. It is crazy, and it's like whoa. That, I mean, that should be the end. They're all happy later that she's she's going to be okay. Um, and then Billy makes a joke about, oh, were you worried, Steve, about our, our insurance premiums going up? He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, fuck it should be. You shouldn't just be worried about your insurance premiums going up. You should be worried about involuntary manslaughter charge. You should be worried about like getting your ass sued at minimum at this point. Like you think you're gonna have a have a, a show at all? Nope. Nope. And word gets out, like that kind of shit travels from town to town. Oh right. yeah. 
there was a lady in the last town who got hit in the fucking face by a <laughs> motorcycle. Um, I don't think you'd bring your kids to that show. You're going to start mean? attracting more of the wrong element. Although, I mean, yeah, I mean, but like <laughs> many, many times back in the old days, I mean, shit flew into the crowd at the 500. Yeah, I mean, people I mean, know what they're getting into for though. that. You're but but the ticket million, does have million million dollar. If yeah. you well, the ticket and they, also they could absorb they could absorb the the rarity of yeah, like someone well, being seriously injured. Most of the time, uh, the ticket actually says weird. Yeah, we're not yeah at fault right. For, yeah. They're still gonna they're still gonna like do what they can do. Right. Um, um, but no, the from uh, a PR standpoint, it you know they'll do their damage control. It's totally well, different sure, scale. sure. There's gonna it's be a completely some... different scale. Like right. this, this operation is, no is gonna get shut down. Yeah. There is there is though no, there is people are going to jail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, by the way, like real jail, not like fake shakedown jail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> down jail. That's the name of my second new thing. <laughs> Is that the spinoff of everyone everyone and Tom Savini? Yeah. <laughs> Former uh, members of everyone and Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah, it's the super group that's made. Yeah. The uh yeah, Cynthia Adler plays uh Rocky. And uh Rocky does uh well Cynthia Cynthia Adler does a lot of voice work or did a lot of voice work. Um Interesting things that she has done voice work for the Muppet Show. Oh, wow. um, she did a voice for the English version of Fantastic Planet. Um, she also uh, was a narrator on Brain Games. Do you remember that from HBO? I, brain, brain Games, games are over. Yeah, it was. Yep, I she was a narrator for one of the games there. But she had a few uh, voices for the 1974 film Down and Dirty Duck, which. Um, Wait, what? Go, go check that out on B Movie Enema the series. It is Down basically, yeah, it's basically duck. a uh, Fritz the Cat knockoff. Oh, okay. All right. I got the vibe then. Yep. So, anyway, uh, yeah. No, she uh, she's kind of awesome in this movie. She is awesome. Because, <laughs> like, at one point, she's like, she just fucking runs her motorcycle into some dudes. And takes them out. <laughs> yeah, she's the well, one she who also, she's the she one who starts chases. the you forgot your basics to yeah. Tom yes, Savini. Yeah. I think she's the one who chases down the dude that has the Nazi symbol. Yes, and <laughs> sends his bike into the the weeds and it explodes. That is also very. Um, what's the movie you were talking about? Early easy Rider. Weekend. Easy Rider. Very yeah. Easy Rider with the bike exploding in the on the side of the road. Really? Yeah. yeah, it was it was always it was very like fake kind of poofy. Explosion too. That's how it looks in Easy Rider. That's how it looks too. in Easy Rider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it might be honestly more realistic if you had like a small ignition of your. There's real flames that yeah. look real. I mean, I don't. Easy I don't Rider. think it would explode like it would explode in a like a Lethal Weapon movie or something. Oh no, like that. that that would explode. Until <laughs> <laughs> uh, explode for this shit. Yeah. The uh, so, uh, but also at this. When the townies start getting getting in on the fight, uh, Billy recognizes that there's a Native American gentleman there who on his armor has yeah. two black birds. And he's like, this is it. This is the moment. This is what's been chasing me. Yep. And, and he's, so, he's looks like oblivious to everything falling down around him at this point. He's like locked in on his black bird. 
Yep. It's really kind of cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And he ends up fighting against that guy, despite everybody saying that they, you know, he needs to stop. He needs to take care of himself, all of this. Um, he does eventually defeat the guy, but he also is in pretty bad shape. But instantaneously, this guy is now fucking part of the troop. It's yeah. like he is there for, he is there with his king for the rest of the movie. Um, 100% the coolest shot in this is when he puts the sword on his chest to get him to, uh, yep, yeah, to get him to, uh, yield, yield, or yield, yield. thank you. Yep. <laughs> and the blood, the blood from his, his neck wound or chest wound is coming down onto the chest plate. Yep. I'm like, damn, that's fucking cool. Yeah. yeah and, cool. and the guy sees it too. And I think that's why he sticks around. Is yeah. that yeah, I mean, he stumbles over there? He, he like yeah. to do yeah to make him yield. Um, yeah, because ends up uh, one of the other uh, one of his other knights ends up with the sword uh, against the guy's breastplate. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah um, but it, and the aftermath of all of this, uh, <laughs> Tom Savini's gone. He's he's yeah. taken he's taken the deal to be on TV, and and he basically turns into a motorcycle ride and kiss, like the oh band. God. Yeah, Their that. Oh so my bad. God. Oh well, god. When they all, come, it's all like uh, like painted foam fingers and stuff. I know. And yep, when yep. all of that pool and, noodles, <laughs> yeah, pool noodles, yeah. When all of that falls <laughs> apart, uh, when all of that falls apart and he returns, I'm like, God, he comes back you know looking like an asshole <laughs> it's like oh, all I, I, I do i do like the scene though where they're all coming back and, and all the the bikes are like falling into formation and they're all yeah. have their they're all like goofy pull noodle armor but but it looks pretty that cool. seems great so real quick cool. i'll i'll do like a like a quick run through of what happens there okay because after all of that so like you said morgan leaves with his half of the crew to do the TV thing. Yep. They end up living the life for a few days at the pool of the TV or magazine <laughs> guy, whoever dope. the hell he is. Give, Give me, me dope. dope. <laughs> and the the woman the woman <laughs> It's like his, Thank his Jason Views moment. It is yeah. kind of funny. The woman that he's dating ends up being married. There's like a weird fight at a hotel, maybe with underage girls there. Yeah, something weird going it's on. All, there. It's all bad, there. man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so just... he, he realizes that that life is not for him. Yeah, yeah he doesn't want to be a rock star. He wants to be... He's there for the bikes, man. <laughs> yeah. He, he also sees that, you know, the guys he brought along with him... Maybe they need a little more structure than this, right? Billy, Billy, yes, they're, 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 not, the they're not ready. Yeah, they're not ready to to be living this life. Well, and, and he's not ready to be Billy, right? Well, for another day. Well, but, yeah, but um, I mean, but not in but this. I, not in argue, this environment. He's, he's never going to be Billy. Um, no, but he's going to be. He's going to be. He's going to be who he is. But he has seen the oh, value in the, the last community. time we see him in this movie yes. the last shot of him proves he's not going to be he right he, he's there's a lot of questions on his sure on no, his face. everything everything <laughs> he did everything he did before this shows he's not going to be billy because he's the progression of the right. group. Yeah. 
Exactly. Right. And but wait, it doesn't have to be a worse. giant leap forward. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think he'll pay off the cop. I think he'll take right. the small deal yeah. kind of thing. So while he is learning that lesson, Alan is learning another lesson on the road, I guess, and dropping Julie off, which we talked about earlier. We talked about that enough. Yeah. Yes. And they both converge back at the base with Billy and probably the most touching and kind of emotional moment in the film is when Alan's like, we're both here to fight for you. If, if Morgan wins, he's the King basically. And if we win, we're fighting in your honor and Ed hears his face and cry. I'm like, Oh my God, that looks like he's really, really emotional about this whole thing. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. It, it's almost it's, as if he's selling gonna, it for sure. It's yes. almost as if he's going to be a four-time Oscar nominee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it's to just, see, I like to see where they, that they talk about the, the, the battleground and the boundaries yeah, is, and the weapons. And oh, it's great. He, no, his, so, his, so, so here's the hard question. Yeah. Cause he, he's agreed to retire. Like he, Alan, either Alan or Morgan will be king. That's how right. this is going to come down. Um, and of course, you know, you're kind of, he's kind of pulling for Alan. Maybe some of the audience members are pulling for Alan because more of the same, or or you don't have the, the necessarily the the big worries that comes with with uh, Morgan's leadership. But you know, watching this movie I'm, at this point in my life, I'm kind of like, I think both of them are going to be fine. I think everyone's going to be fine. The fact that they can settle it this way amicably it means they're all going to be fine. Well, right? not only amicably. The only thing that won't be fine is if Billy stays the leader. Right. Correct. Right. And that's and not going that, No, but that's not going to happen. No, I'm just right. saying right. that's the right. only right. outcome that would. Yes. Not be he's fine. he's understood this too. Yeah. I mean, like, and he's and he's kind of told. He's like, look, you sit on your ass. This is it. You're retiring. Yeah. Um, you can't do this anymore. And he agrees. And I, but I love, I love when he they talk about surrender. And he looks at Morgan. He's like, you're not going to surrender. And Morgan just gives him that smile. You know, Tom, Tom Zavini, it's a perfect little scene. And he looks at Alan. He's like, you're not going to surrender. It's like this neat little the reforming of a bond that the had dynamic. Yeah. the dynamic that had withered over time has suddenly come back and is being embraced. And, and it's all for a positive good. You get the feeling. It just it, to, to me, at that point in the movie, I'm like, man, they don't even, I don't even, this, the Jow scene is going to be awesome because the stunts are going to rule. But I already feel like there's already been a catharsis here, right? Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, the big question is what happens to, and, um, and indeed, uh, the winner is Morgan. And it doesn't feel like the funeral you would expect it to be, like they're trying to set it up to be, maybe. Um, Billy's super gracious about it. He takes his his crown off. He puts it on Morgan's head. Um, he takes the crown. Oh no, Lynette give, takes her crown off, gives it to to Morgan. He then in turn gives it to um, God. What's her name? Angie. Susie. The mechanic. Angie. Angie. The mechanic. Yeah. I love that. I said Angie. You said Susie. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no it's this john (laughs) but then it's kind of like okay well what happens next right where does this movie go now well lynette walks to alan you need do you do need to say that at least right yes lynette lynette alan she goes out to alan like alan looks alan is probably the the saddest person in the in the camp 
right? I think for him, he really did want to win and he thinks he'd be a better leader. And he had probably still has his reservations about Morgan, but she goes, Lynette goes to him and they embrace and it's like, oh, okay, this thing has finally come together. Right. Well, and also think of it like this too. It's like, if he's, he, you know, if he won, I'm not so sure that Lynette wanted to still be queen. That's fair. That's you know? Fair. And so it's like, she's probably going to be better for him than him being king. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yes, I agree with that. Um, But then, yeah, now we have, now it's Billy. No, Billy is no longer king. He seems content. He's free. He he seems like he is, yeah, he's at peace with that idea. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like a weird thing that it's not discussed in the movie. But does he have to leave? Does does him leaving, you know, does that signify that that he can't be there if he's not king? Like if is it too much for him or is he leaving because his presence might be might be a a confusion so, to the group? Uh, that's so Billy question. Billy Billy has been bleeding. Right? Yeah. Both physically and uh, what's the word? You know the word. Spiritually. Spiritually. I think he doesn't have to leave. He could retire in this village, but he has unfinished business. A promise he made. That's oh, true. Yeah. He does. He does Which have Billy, a promise. Billy will keep. Uh-huh. So I think he says his goodbyes, and I think everyone is understanding that he's leaving because that's Billy. Yeah. Right? Like, I could see Morgan retiring and having his kid take over or something like that, but not Billy. Yeah. Billy has a promise. He has a destiny to fulfill and a, and a blackbird on the road. He has to pass a couple times. Yep. Yeah. And one that's following him too. Uh-huh. Cause yeah, he, I mean, cause when he, he leaves, times. yeah. Well, I'm yeah. talking about the, the native American cause he yeah. doesn't know that he's coming with them until <laughs> he leaves. And then, just a few seconds later, all of a sudden out tears the native American who stays behind him the whole time. I don't yeah. think he under, I don't think he recognizes that he's there until they actually make their first stop, which is the school. Oh, I think he knows he's there. Was the school the first? No, the school is the second stop. Is the school the second stop? First, first stop is the convenient. Oh, the, that's right. The that's right. Food restaurant where, the, the where the cop is. Yeah, that's right. Because it's later that night. But yeah, that is right. where he meet. that is where he meets Billy because, um, because Billy comes in and it kind of gives him a look and he's like, there's one. All right. So what happens is the scene. he goes, he confronts the cop that, that was trying to shake them down, that, that uh, beat up the bag man. He yeah. told um, him, but when he, he was told being him that I'm going to come for you. Yeah. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to, yep. uh, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up. And he does. He, he fucks him up real good. He, um, and and then the whole oh my the whole, god the the, the little the whole, lady. like uh, restaurant starts to like slow clap it it's so bizarre. My favorite thing though is the little old lady like charging them ringing for everything. Up, yes, up oh yeah, that and is then the funny. fucking the fucking Indian pays for it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever he, he pulls with, off. With, of he the, pulls like a like a silver, like a silver star, uh, or, star something. or something. Yeah. yeah, and he pays for it with a with some silver. Yeah, because like because Ed Harris <laughs> looks at the register, he's like. hmm. And he just kind of like nods and he looks at the Indian and he just leaves. <laughs> He's like, you got this? All right, good. But th- but then he goes <laughs> to the school. Yeah. 
Right. And <laughs> this is so great. The teacher's teaching a lesson and Billy walks in and the kid who wanted his uh, signature before his autograph before is in the class and he walks over to him. He hands him his belt or his sword belt and his sword. Yeah. And he rustles his hair and walks outside. And the kid's like, whoa. And every kid in the class is like, holy shit. (laughs) Ken Forhey made that sword. Holy shit. (laughs) Yes, he did. He did. And then Billy walks outside, sees the hose laid over his bike from the fellow that's following him, takes a drink, sprays his face off, rides on on the road, kind of... I guess in his mind dives into his fantasy. Well, he's bleeding out. Yeah. He's going to die. Yeah. He's going to die anyway, but he, yeah, he's bleeding out. He's going to die, but he sees himself in his fantasy riding a white horse. And then he just gets destroyed by a truck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the Indian fellow that's been following him brings his body back to camp. Yeah, which is why I mean, that was kind of like a kamikaze mission, and this guy followed him to bring his spirit back to the group, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's you know I was watching that and I was like, um, first of all, I kind of thought it's like this is maybe the only way Billy has to end. Like I don't think there is a life for Billy after the camp. I think Billy's going to die anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's not really fit for the real world. He, um, like, what's he going to do? Go get a job at McDonald's or something? No way. No, I think, but you know what I mean? But I think even the camp itself is going to progress. Right. He's, he's not really fit for any. Yeah. He might just know he's always going to be that, that annoying guy who's dissenting at every decision, you know, being a prickly pair at every, council meeting if they still have those right um yeah he he knows he knows it, it's got to change but it's not the change that he wants that he can live with so that's why he leaves but, but, he, the, but, he, uh, but he accepts it and i think he accepts everything it's yeah. like that look on his face before he dies is one of 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 i dare say almost joy right mm-hmm. like he's it's a, at bare minimum there there is a peace yeah, I, I would say it's moment. more peace than acceptance yeah. of the progression because he's thinking even back before the bikes sure. <clears throat> to a time that doesn't even exist anymore. And he, he can also say that he all he never he never sacrificed his ideals. He never sold out. His ideals never sold died out. with him. Right. Just well, like yeah, Batman just like Mad Meg said. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, but the uh, you know watching that when he gets hit by the truck, I think. Oh, we'll get there in 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 time, but in a couple of weeks we're gonna watch another guy get fucking destroyed by a truck on a bike too. <laughs> we are. Uh-huh. Oh no. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. But uh, the um, yeah, no, I mean, and you know, like they they come together for the funeral at the end, and uh, you know, and and to be honest with you, I kind of sat here and wondered. It's like. I, you know, I started to kind of really think it's like, what, what happens after this? You know, it's like, this was one of those situations where the movie ended and I was perfectly satisfied with the movie. I don't, I don't want a fucking sequel or anything, but I did start to wonder (laughs) what happened to some of these people, you know? 
Oh, did you want the uh, American Graffiti ending? <laughs> no, well, no, but but I started thinking. It's like, oh, did they? You know, did did Alan stick around? Did he move on? Did he and Lynette just go off and have a regular life? Did that was was Morgan a good king? Was you know, um, did he finally settle down with Angie? And so yeah, you know, so it's like, I got to thinking about stuff. It is like a little, that. it is a little telling. So here's my thoughts since you thought about it. Everyone that is shown at the funeral is at a distance. Mm-hmm. Nobody is standing like there's there's distinct groups that are separate from one another, standing farther apart from each other. So that leads me to think that maybe the group didn't survive. However, everything that Morgan said and did during the movie made me think he can mm-hmm. help this group survive. Yeah. So I think it's kind of hopeful without knowing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what no, I like, I, what that's, I, what that's I like exactly about what I your pondering. I, what I like about your pondering, Jeff, it means we have we have interesting characters here that we followed Absolutely. for over two hours. Absolutely, there was an investment in these people, and that's like the last thing I was expecting when I put this movie in a couple of years ago to watch right. it. I was not expected to be to completely invested in these people and in this in this community. Right? Yeah, and, and the like kind the of ponder of what this is, movie. Yeah, it's like the ponder yeah. what their existence is going to be like. You know, I right. mean, like, I mean, <laughs> not not. I think the, they're good. Not to com- good. Yeah, I think it's going to be fine too. But I am kind of curious, like, you know, what happened come to and him? Go, but that's yeah. normal. Yeah. Right. It's like I. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Like, well, what happened to him 20 years later? You know, what happened to him 25? Is there a whole bustling community because of kids, or you know, or whatever? Is there? You know, did did some just decide, eh, you know, this was good, but I got to go and do another thing now? Or did one of them break free from being a knight and become like a promoter for them? You know, or well, whatever. That's the next. That's the next progression for this group if they become larger, right? Because there are no children. Exactly. Right. They did not. They did not. You know, like, there was one shot of a kid dressed in like period garb working at one of the little um, craft shops. I think so. I think it was that uh, it was might have been like a, that. There are families here, but they're definitely but, not focused on. Yeah. Right? They, they might have been like the the shop people might be more like you know your kind of hippie couples that or have like just kids, showed up. You know, oh, or we for just sure. showed up in this with our child. But could yeah, that could yeah. be too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, I you know it's like you know I mean it's fun to way, wonder. Yeah, it's fun to uh-huh. wonder because because a good movie with. Uh, a good movie with even better characters should make you ask those types of questions and make you wonder those types of things. Um, and that's what makes this a surprisingly, you know, you said the word earnest, Jason. It's like, yeah, this is a real movie. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's a real movie trying to tell a real story. It's it's maybe not conventional in the story that it's telling, and it's not conventional in the sense that it has a real plot necessarily, except for character development. Uh-huh. Um, but man, I mean, it is just. But where were the zombies? So, so my last <laughs> thought on this movie, my last thought is, I don't even know if I like this movie. I really don't. But I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, if that makes sense. I can't place it like on a scale of enjoyability. I almost feel like it should have been a ten episode show. Huh. Yeah. It feels I, like, I, like I would get on board for a Knight Riders uh mini series. Yeah. 
I would. That's I what would. it feels like. It feels yeah. like a melodrama that, like, it is surprising as a movie, and it's incomplete but complete. Like, I don't know how to. Like, I don't know how to feel about it. But I enjoyed watching it. That's all yeah. No, I mean, I I really I know I really liked it. Um, you know, but you said melodrama is kind of funny because like, like the first act is like all Renfair stuff, right? Second act is all the melodrama. And the third act is the breakups and getting back together. It's like the melodrama part really surprised me because that could have fallen real flat on its face of how over the top some of the scenes were with the melodrama, particularly when when Ed Harris like really digs in. Oh, yeah. He's like yelling at the cop or he's like freaking out about something <clears throat> that could have fallen flat on his face. And with a lesser oh, actor, it. I'm sure. And, it would a, have. and a lot of it is because it's, yeah, with it's, if we're a lesser it's actor, yeah, yeah, it's Ed Harris. <laughs> absolutely. He, he lends, he, he gives the movie weight. It does. It's surprising as good of an actor as Ed Harris is that he was never a big star. He was more like a really, really, really top tier character actor who could lead a movie but wasn't like a leading man yeah i never got like the big denzel yeah well he's 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 kind of like tommy lee light right in a way tommy lee jones light yeah kind of i mean tommy lee jones could yeah could carry a movie but yeah he's gonna be more of a character he's gonna play a character a fully fleshed out character but like yeah ed harris is not gonna be above nicholas cage or or uh or Sean Connery in the listing of the rocks credits, you know, he's always he going to be third stand up to them in a scene. He absolutely can stand up to them in a scene, but he will never be higher than third in that billing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that, that point exactly. He's wait, what movie are you talking about? Sorry. The rock. The rock. Okay. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's going to stand toe to toe with the, both of yeah. those leaders or yeah. the leading men. But he is never going to be the leading man in any universe where, you know, he's playing in the, the other characters. I would, I would, I mean, he's far and away the best thing about the abyss. Like, he is so good in that movie. It's so watchable, so likable and relatable. Ugh, he's awesome. Like, that, probably that character, that performance is the reason I keep coming back to that movie. It's, yeah, it's really good. I just recently watched that, like recently in the last year, and yes, he is definitely the best part of that movie. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome in that. Um, anything yeah. else on this one or or uh, next weekish times? Um, I, I will have say anything one, else on this. Oh, go I ahead, do Jeff. have one last thing about Ed Harris. Uh, he is uh, going to be in a movie that I'll be seeing very soon called Love Lies Bleeding. He plays mm. the dad in that, the the um, dad um, Harris. Well, he, he plays the. Um, I think he is he. Uh, Kristen, yeah, he's Kristen Stewart's dad in that. Yeah, and he's seventy three. Like he's yeah, he's he's like, he's got a good another ten years of acting. I was thinking he was kind of like maybe retired, but he's still good to go. All right. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't have anything. Uh, I think it's an interesting movie. It is not a movie for everyone. I do have questions about who exactly this movie was made for. <laughs> it was made because for it, everyone. It, it was made for George Romero. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's not made for bikers. It's not made really. Maybe some fantasy people would like it because there is that Arthurian element to it, but it's too modern for yeah. it to really 
fulfill that, you know, to itch that. But um, yeah. maybe people who work at red fairs probably like it. Probably, but, but even then, it's like there's such a biker element to it, though, too, there right? Is, or maybe, there just, it's so maybe it was made for you. It was made I for know. us, Jason. There's some sort of nexus out there that we haven't defined, but George, George Romero. two-thirds of film seizures. Yeah. <laughs> Forty years ago, George Romero's like, there are going to be a couple of guys who are going to really dig the shit out of this. All right. What is next week? <laughs> Hold on. My, my last thing I was going to say was, oh, uh, was that Ed Harris... There's an interview with him on the disc, and uh, he speaks very fondly of this movie. He speaks very fondly of George Romero. They're still, well, they were at the time of the interview, still friends. We've lost George in the recent years. But um, he said that, well, he recognizes that the Knight Rider didn't really do anything for his career. <laughs> he said it did a lot for him in learning his craft and learning, acting, and working with with a close knit group of actors in a in a like a small confined confounded confined confined Confined. environment thank you (laughs) it's like they all stayed at like a red roof inn or something like that it's like it 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 was it was his first taste of being a leading man more more than anything which he had never had before um so he just said he learned so much about the movie industry about, about making movies about his craft of acting that he thinks you know it was it helped him in his career that shows. way yeah it shows yeah and he does he, he does not take a scene off in this movie he's no. committed 100 yeah. percent. no like he's all in like you i almost expected him to be king billy all the time yeah you know just like i expected you know every every off day from creep show he's just dancing oh, around dude. oh I, 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 i'm looking at my notes real quick and i gotta mention a couple more things um uh, all the steeler hats oh my god so yeah. many steeler hats um the uh, <laughs> silver bullet enterprises Did you notice that oh yes. yeah um the freaking scene with fire tuck and the photographer Oh yes, with, with them having pizza, pizza sex. They're having pizza sex in like the back of his trailer. Yes. Whoa, whoa. That's probably like the most exploited thing in the movie. Man, that was weird. And then uh, Tom, the Tom Savini photo shoot. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's when right? I said he turned into. They turned into kiss. <laughs> like, uh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. with the with the it's it's like a like a hair metal album yeah. cover, right? <laughs> And the rest of the guys saying, "When do we get our turn?" <laughs> right. yeah. The uh, oh, race freely. The the the, uh, <laughs> the amount of nudity in the movie also was unexpected because, like, that is really the only thing that makes this an R-rated movie. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't need to be R-rated. It probably greatly hurt its its oh, sure. its reach. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of mufflers were shown. So. A lot of mufflers. Although I, I also like, I don't know. Throwing a couple breasts into the movie gives well, it. I was, give, I was instantly glued in the first thirty seconds. I was well, like, what? Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. What are we getting? <laughs> but uh, this isn't a this isn't a movie you want to be PG thirteen, right? Because I, not. I mean, it's not made for thirteen year old boys. Well, um, I know, but I mean, not every movie that's PG thirteen is made for. But it doesn't. You know, it's still. You know what I mean, though. I know it's not. It's not made for. It's not really made for. For this is a movie that is a very adult themed movie, and I don't mean that from this sexuality aspect of it. It's 
Does Chuck frozen on my screen? Because he's got a. No, oh my God. I didn't think he so. Keeps, he's getting the best. All right, we're gonna end this. All right. We're gonna anyway, end this right here. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I I don't know. I disagree that it it didn't necessarily need to be R rated. Although I get what you're saying, this is a very mature thing. But yeah, anyway, I think of the movie that should limit its audience because the right people. The right age group, I think, kind of needs to you see just, this movie. You just don't want to be in an auditorium with teenagers watching Night Riders for two hours and twenty six minutes. Where are the zombies? <laughs> that's all they would say that's the it. whole time. Yeah, that's where are exactly. the zombies. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, um, <laughs> next week uh, it's time to put twenty twenty three to rest. I mean, we do this always two months late. Yeah, you know, which we is have fine. to. We have, we have to. to. We got to catch so up. So much to catch There's up on at the end of, of the year. And you guys don't have a list, so you guys have to catch up to me. So it's yeah. fine. There's just a lot. A lot of movies don't get a release until like the end of the year, and a lot. Some of them, like Zone Adventures, didn't come to Indianapolis until um, the middle of after January. Yeah, late January. Nominated. Yeah. So although it was rentable on on Amazon before it even played in the theater here, it was like twenty dollars. Yeah. No, it was six bucks. The same. I almost rented that instead of. Um, Another one that night, that same night. Huh, I'll not argue. Anyway, anyway the point you is, probably get the uh, idea. We're going to do our best of 2023. Yeah. I've got, uh, I think, you know, we're, we'll probably try not to be three hours and too much alcohol as we were last year. Um, <laughs> it was fun, though. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we'll talk about some of our, uh, our favorite movies of the year and then we'll, uh, we'll give our, our, uh, our rundowns and, um, you know, hand out the uh, David Gordon Green Memorial Award for Worst of the Year. Also, um, oh, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> I have. I mean, well, I mean, I think you, you know you, which you, one you mine just, is going to be. You just put it in my head, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys matched last year. Maybe we matched this year. I don't know. Oh, anyway, man, maybe, um, maybe. Anyway, so that is next week. That's next Wednesday, February twenty eighth. Um, not the last day of February this year, um, but that's when it's going to happen. Um, filmseizure.com is where you can go find out about that and uh, also find all the places where we, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast in various places and follow us on social media um, also at filmseizure.com on Monday the 26th is a new episode of Monster Mondays it's King Kong Escapes it's the last movie of my uh, Toho Monsters Month that are not Godzilla so why not, why not finish it with King Kong the other super famous guy um, so that is, uh, that's upcoming on Monday, same place, filmseizure.com. This upcoming Friday, the 23rd at uh, bmovieenema.com, I have a review that you can read for Boggy Creek 2 and The Legend Continues. Yes. I like that movie way more than uh, I probably should. I don't give a shit. You've got monster. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, that is at bmovieenema.com. But um until then when we uh reconvene to uh wrap up our 2023 thoughts i'm jeff arbuckle i'm trying to fight the dragon <laughs> and i am jason oliver and you have been listening to film seizure <laughs>